everyone, welcome to another episode of Embracing Life with Fukayo. I'm your host Fukayo and joining me today is a very special somebody because this is my friend, Shalom. We're trying out a new technology called Zencaster. My friend and I were going to use this for our first podcast idea because we were in two different countries. And yeah, Zencaster makes things so much easier. You know, you can connect with your friends far and wide and I'm so glad I can do this with you today, Shalom. So. Glad I can be here too. Thank you for being on here. I look forward to our conversation. Are you ready? Yes, yes I am. I would like to give a shout out to everyone who listens to this podcast. Thank you so much uh, for all of your support. And yeah, I really hope that this episode blesses you today. So let's get into it. Um, I'm going to start out this podcast with a quote by Benjamin W. Franklin. Everybody knows Benjamin W. Franklin. Which bill is he on? Shalom. I have no idea. I know he's on a bill. <laughs> I want to say he's on the hundred dollar bill. <laughs> you want to say so you're not sure either. No, 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 no. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, because you know why I'm sure yeah, you always hear these rappers always being like, I got Benjamin. So in my head I'm thinking mm-hmm. they're not carrying twenty dollars, you know, it has to be like <laughs> has to be the right? big bucks. Fair enough. Exactly. So today we have a quote by the big man himself, the guy who's on the hundred dollar bill, Benjamin. Franklin. If it's not, we don't care. Okay? Yeah, it's not a problem. Anyway, anyway, Shah, the great man once said, by failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. Please, if you grew up in an African household, I'm pretty sure you've heard this quote at least once. Have you heard this quote before, Shalom? Yes, yes. Too many times. Thank you. I African parents, that's the only thing they got in America. <laughs> Rubbish. Like, if you need to prepare, <laughs> prepare to fail. Da, 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 da. And then it starts yeah, a that, whole... That, 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 that's what the nine-year-old wants to hear. <laughs> anyway, Shalom, so yes. Shalom and I were... The reason why I shared this quote is because Shalom and I are going to talk a bit about, like, navigating our 20s and just kind of, like, dealing with pressure in society, you know, self-generated pressure and just kind of, like, understanding how our society works and how it can influence our character and also our development, you know? By failing to prepare, you prepare to fail. Would you say that's necessarily true? I, I think, I think, I think a lot of these things are tricky because, like, a lot of these quotes present themselves as like um, all-encompassing truths. Like, it applies in every situation. It applies for everybody. But then, if you think about the fact that a lot of the quotes that present themselves like that are quite contradictory, right? Like, this guy is saying, if you fail to prepare, then you're preparing to fail. And then somebody else says that if you plan or prepare, then God is laughing at you because you have to do what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it feels like... I have never heard that I've heard one. it a lot. Really? Man plans, God laughs. It feels like a very tricky situation to handle. Like, if both of those are true, then what am I supposed to do with myself? <laughs> it's like, so what are we yeah. doing here? So what's the uh, like <laughs> wow i have never heard that one man plans God no plans. i hear that i hear that a lot that's a, a nigerian thing because i think that's the way nigerians console themselves whenever things don't go well actually the first place i heard it was in an american movie i think it was oh. evan almighty or bruce almighty one of those oh yeah films. one of those um, Jim, Christian yeah, that was the first time i heard it just to say those christian films are very 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 badly adapted to Bible stories. Like, it doesn't really make sense, but it's, it's a good uh, movie anyway. Well, yes, yes, they were, they were amusing. But yeah, I really like that point that you just made that quotes really tend to like self contradict in a lot of ways. 
things which is very mm-hmm. annoying because I really love quotes <laughs> like I, I literally think of quotes as like an entire paragraph in one sentence in my opinion mm-hmm. yes when you yes. hear all these different like people have different opinions which one do you go with me I've decided to follow Benjamin Franklin because clearly he's on the hundred dollar bill so I'm going to yeah. listen to him when he says if you if you if you fail to plan you plan to fail plan to fail in that sense how would you say that applies to us in our 20s because I feel like a lot of the time you can plan but a lot of the time it doesn't go the way that you want it to you know so mm-hmm. when it comes to like organizing your life in your 20s and you know and we called it the drawing board you know the drawing board of our 20s organizing yes. our lives strategizing and everything like <laughs> that is like the main thing I know I think that's the most used word the word I've used the most in the last like two years strategy strategizing mm-hmm. very annoying word by the way but it's so necessary in my opinion to always constantly strategize and to have an idea of what you want to do or at least where you want to go that's how I feel but that's me I've been in a position where I had no idea what I wanted to do next and I've suffered I'm all hey 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 <laughs> well um, as for how that related, well, my, my solution to the whole so many contradictory life quotes thing is I just believe that some of them, they're, they're true for certain maybe seasons of our lives or certain situations. Like at some point you're going to have to let go, but at some point you need to plan. So, yeah. that. so as for how, how it relates to us, um, there's this book which I've never read, but I love the title. Is <laughs> I'm not much of a reader. <laughs> I'm not much of a reader. The title is um, The Defining Decade, which talks about your 20s. And I think that's a very interesting characterization of our 20s because it's, it's a never-ending cycle of plans. Yeah, yeah. Because um, m- most of us are in school until we're in our 20s. So we don't have enough information to actually make plans that will work. So we make plans, see what happens, and then make other plans, yeah. and see what happens, and make other plans, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You find your groove at some point in your life. <laughs> for some people, it's early. For some people, it's late. But you find yeah. your groove eventually. No, because, like, especially, like, at my internship at the moment, I hear a lot of, like, my, like my friends or, like, colleagues. They'll be like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing next. But, like, you know, this is what I have at the moment. You know, do I want an extension? Like, looking for jobs and everything. And things still seem so uncertain, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that I really like the title of that book that you've never read, The Defining Decade. <laughs> you know? And I really love that title. I feel like that should be the title of our episode. Is that copyright? That's, that's a good question. I have no idea. You see, this is why we need to learn about IP. You know, Nigerians, we just be doing anything anyhow. We no, we just we do anything we want. Basically, I just hear a lot of like constant like changing plans. And like you hear somebody be like, oh yeah, I applied for this job. Oh yeah, I don't even know if I'm staying in the country. And there's so much uncertainty when it comes mm-hmm. to like strategizing, you know. And it's like, how do you effectively strategize? Like, in what ways would you say like, okay, I can strategize properly in order for like whatever I'm planning to produce results without God laughing at me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I-, I wish I had figured that part out. I have not. This is how I describe my life to one of my friends. I am throwing things in whatever direction that I have the energy to throw them, and hopefully mm. something will stick on the wall somewhere. Yeah. 
that's what I've been telling my friends. That's what I've been doing. Because, like I said, I beginning of this year, I quit my job and started freelancing. And then I started taking online courses. And then I started working on school applications. And then I traveled. I started looking at a different set of schools than I was looking at before. And then I came back to Nigeria and I was looking for a job. <laughs> and applied to more schools. And then I registered for another course in something completely unrelated to everything I've been doing before. And then I got um, a, um, conditional offers of admission for from two other schools that has thrown off everything I was doing just last week. So I'm doing something completely different from what I thought I would be doing. So I'm just, I'm trying everything. Like it got to a point, uh, I think early this month or late last month, that anything I see to apply to, I apply. Any job, any school, any anything. I would just see it. If I'm vaguely interested in it, I would just apply and try my hand at it. Because apart from all of that, in the background, I'm also constantly working on my own stuff. I write, so I'm always writing something. Ooh, uh, like poems or rap lines? I write poetry. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I'm trying to write uh, um, fictional stories. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Then, I, I also used to, I used to have, well, I still have, I just don't post. I have a blog oh, yeah. that I used to write, just think about stuff out loud, essentially. Yeah. On the blog, so yeah. there's a lot in my head that I've not had time to. I've not communicated in quite some time. So yeah, I'm always doing something and um, hoping that something will work out and doing everything I am doing to the best that I can do them. So that it's not as if I'm putting in uh, what's the word do, using half measures for everything. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm, you know, I was having a conversation with one of my was talking about the importance of like casting your net like mm-hmm. you know casting yeah, casting your net into different areas because i told him that one of my struggles of you know being in my 20s early 20s guys i'm not mid 20s yet <laughs> in my early 20s is that yeah. like i feel like there's so many options there's so many different things that you can potentially do like you have the ability to do so much you know yeah. and he was like he really said something that really struck me. He was like, you'd be surprised how much you can actually, like, stretch yourself. He was like, don't, like, he basically was like, don't, like, limit yourself into being like, oh, I have to focus on one thing and one thing. He was like, listen, cast your net widely. You don't know when this knowledge in this area will help you, when that knowledge in that area will help you, when this knowledge in this area will help you. He was like, cast your net. So I think that's one thing I've really figured out when it comes to strategizing that. Yeah, sure, like, you, you should always have, like, that one goal or that one area yeah. objective that you really want to work towards but like it's also very very important for you to also just kind of cast your net because you never know which one's actually like you said you never know which one's going to stick to the wall exactly. like you never know when you know your knowledge in writing they'll be like please we need somebody to write a blog post for us now but like, i can't do that one i've been for years you know yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. i think that's one point of like strategizing i think it's really important as young people in our 20s like like to cast your net and don't like don't take like if you get an opportunity to do something like you say you're doing online courses don't take it mm-hmm. for granted you know just do it learn something from it you know but i think the most important is about learning from every like opportunity that we get from every chance yeah. that we, you know from everything that comes our way learning and you know what yeah my uncle said something very very funny to me today not funny but it really like Mind opening. This one is actually thinking wise. I should talk to him mm-hmm. more, but you know, more very <laughs> But yeah. he 
basically was like if you've gone through a negative experience or a negative you know situation in your life and you don't learn from that experience you know he's like he said you just suffered and i was like whoa i was like this is amazing I've never yeah. heard anyone say that before. Like, if you don't learn from your negative experience, they're just suffering there in silence. They're suffering like, for nothing. Yeah, and I was like, wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it's almost like an obvious thing, but like, nobody has said it mm. to like, cement that idea in my head. But that, that makes an insane amount of sense. <laughs> like, if I- <laughs> a.m. in the morning hearing somebody say that to you and I was like Jesus Christ man some people have just been suffering unnecessarily <laughs> you have to sit down you sit down and rethink some of your past experiences like exactly it really takes you back like we said to the joy yeah. board because it's kind of like you actually have to sit down like I literally tell myself I have to sit down and think okay my mm-hmm. negative experiences what did I learn from it so that I, I didn't just suffer <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Because it's not possible. Imagine you went through so much pain, so much heartache, and then all you came yeah. out with is suffering. You know? So <laughs> I, it really, really opened my mind. And I just, like, it also helps me understand why it's so important to always learn from everything that you do. Because that's mm-hmm. the best way to also, like, strategize effectively and also reinvent yourself in new ways. So it's like if you've worked in a hostile environment, like he was talking, he was talking about the simulation to working in hostile environments. It's like mm-hmm. if you've worked in a hostile environment, how can you learn from that environment that you've worked in? How can you strategize to make sure that the next place you're going to, certain skills and abilities that you've gained, you're not just losing them, you're not forgetting about them, but you're carrying them with you along the way, you know? Yeah. And also, I think like another thing that we were talking about before was like unlearning the things yes. that we learned as kids, which is a huge deal <laughs> in your 20s. Like, guys. This is the time to unlearn every stupid habit that you have picked up along the way. Stupid beliefs too. Like you, you don't. Have, you, you sometimes you don't realize how how deep into your subconscious some beliefs are yeah. until you realize how how little sense it actually makes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, like it doesn't click. It doesn't. I remember there was there was a moment I always remember when I'm talking about things I had to unlearn. When I was in my first year of university, we had this project that we presented. Um, so the lecturers were going through everybody's project one by one, and then they got to my friend, and they didn't like his project for some reason. And then they said, look at you, how can your project be like this? Even women are doing better than you. Wow. Oh, wow. Ah, that's Even the female student. Wow. I, <laughs> in our generation. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, for me, growing up, I was always... Throughout my time in school, until university, I was always among the top people in the class. But I was always struggling. Chill. I was always struggling to um, outperform one female student. Every single school I went to, there was always one girl. There was always one girl that gave me a hard time staying at the top of the class. Sometimes I never got to the top because she was there. Wow. I would just, be, I would be, I would be the, the highest except for her. But somehow, I still managed to believe that women would perform worse. Until I sat down, until until um, the lecturers, I think the lecturers said that to him. They were like, even the female students are outperforming. Um, he said something like, "Why does that matter?" Something like that. Yeah, oh, I like that guy. And when he told me that, that was what I said thinking, like, wait, why did I think that? And it's just part of how the environment we grew up in. That's yeah. how 
much of Nigeria is, is like even even when you can see women performing, you assume women are inferior, brother. It's just it's weird. I'm glad that you bring up that point because Nigerian men are notorious for this mm-hmm. mentality. And I'm so sorry to say this, but I also feel like that's the reason why a lot of Nigerian women are probably not where they're supposed to mm. be. Because no offense, Nigerian men, some Nigerian men have the ability to hey, if they catch you, they can just kind of like stunt your growth, your career growth completely. You know? Yeah. I know that you know, like I mean we're laughing about it now, but like I think <laughs> one of the biggest things that really, really like my mom always talks about whenever she talks about my dad and me being here where mm-hmm. I am today, like her being where she is today, was the fact that my dad let her go. You know, she got a job in Switzerland. She wasn't sure if my dad was going to let her go. She said that when she spoke to him about it, he was so happy for her. He was so chill and he let her go. Most Nigerian men. <laughs> I just want to say, some men will be like, so who's supposed to take care of the house? <laughs> we're not here. What are we supposed to do? So, who is going to run this house as a woman? You want to go somewhere? You want to be doing long distance marriage? But, like, that's the mentality that a lot of people have grown up with. Yeah. So, I don't mean to bash Nigerian men. (laughs) But some Nigerian men do have that ability to start their wives. Yes. Definitely. Men, you guys need to leave them to (laughs) Pray for deliverance because as we are going now, I feel like there are, a lot, there, are, there are a lot more ambitious women out there. So it's either you're supportive or okay, just step to the side because there's money to be made. Yeah. <laughs> These kids ain't going to take care of themselves. I think, I think for, for the most part, when I can't even, I honestly can't really speak to how much um, mm. things have changed. But most of the guys around me don't seem to have most, not all. There are many people I can think of that are very, when they talk about women, they sound like my grandfather. Many guys, <laughs> there are many guys around me, but most guys around me seem to have. I, I feel like that moment I had in my first year of university, a lot of people have had something like that eventually, and yeah. that's that's a very, for me, that's the most that's the most obvious example I can think of. But you have to. There's also something you mentioned when we were talking before, when your uncle was saying you should cast a wide net and everything. Yeah. And it took me until I got out of university to figure that out, that I'm supposed to just try things to figure things out. Because the way the Nigerian educational system is set, you have decided what you're going to do for the rest of your life at the age of 13. Yes. At the age of 13. And there are so many storm, there are so many obstacles to what it is you decide at 13 that most people end up, like, after GS3, you decide whether you're going to science class or tech class or art class or commercial Mm. class. And in my school, for example, it was not even our decision. Our guidance counselor put us in different classes based on our grades. Oh, wow. Some people That's tried. Yeah. Some of us tried. I tried to change to. Mm-hmm. She put me in tech class and I tried to change to commercial or arts out of curiosity. First off, what I liked in school was math, and that's commerce. That, that seemed very obvious. Like, I, yeah. I was good at science, but I didn't like it. So. Yeah. Commercial class seemed like the obvious choice. And then I've always been interested in like writing and stuff. So I was like one of the other two. And what she told me, word for word, I can never forget this is uh, those classes are not for smart people. Word for word. That's what she said. And that's why she didn't let me transfer to a different to a different a woman. A woman, yes. You know, my friends and I were talking the other day about how like some people that we know now getting teaching degrees. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, learning to become teachers, we're actually genuinely worried that we wouldn't leave our kids with them. <laughs> because we 
It's teachers they're worried about. The people I'm worried about are doctors because they are cheating in their exams in school. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how our lives are going to be in their hands in a couple of years. But we'll, we'll figure it out. I hope. No, I agree with you too because I've I've heard some stories about Nigerian hospitals and I thought to myself like, well, didn't you study for like six years? Like, how can you be making mistakes like this? Like, surely yeah. you must have studied for many, I, I, many years. I think the if we get into the story of Nigeria, we're not living here. But the problem in Nigeria, even though part of it is the um, people don't seem to be committed to doing things to the best of their ability. There's a lot more. There's, there's a lot more situations that sort of incentivize that attitude. So you, that's why you find that when a lot of people leave, their attitude to work is very different. The situation. So Nigeria is a is a mess. It's a mess of the situation to be honest at the moment. It's, it's so sad because it's like every time I hear about Nigeria, I'm just like, I feel so bad for all my friends that are in Nigeria <laughs> at the moment. And I was like, if I could carry all of them with me, I'm just doing them like what. But unfortunately, like I always say, you can't marry everybody. <laughs> can't marry everybody. You have to you be know? one. Exactly. Well, or four if you're Muslim. But... <laughs> wow. Wow. Honestly, I don't know how people do polygamy because in my head, I'm thinking like one man is already enough headache. Ah. No offense. In my opinion. <laughs> and even one woman is already enough wala. I don't know. Maybe it's just me thinking like... Well, I, I well... Um, I, I, I have not been able to rationalize it yet. Maybe I will one day. Maybe I will become a typical man at some point. <laughs> one day we'll just say Shalom has is married, getting married to his second wife. I mean, change, change happens. I haven't been able to rationalize it yet, but hmm. I, I assume there's a way to rationalize it because um, it's the human thing to do. We justify everything we do. So I, I assume they have a way around it, but I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't either. Financially, it seems like financially, it seems like financially, yeah. especially in the way the world economy is now, yeah, makes almost no sense unless you're oh, like one, one, one. Elon Musk unless or something. Like, you know, you know, Dangote, <laughs> you know, that one will even excuse me if he has 10 wives and it's the guy has money to take care of all of them. But then I see some people that are like have multiple wives and I'm like, it does not make sense financially, anyways, it's not even physical, so. That's already like the bottom line. So I'm just kind of like sometimes certain ideas that people have, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They really, really, they trouble me, you know. And like you said, we always justify yeah. all of our attitudes. And that's also another point I'm on learning stuff because I realized that I was talking to a friend of mine, and basically, apparently, I can be rude at times. <laughs> I didn't think I was being rude, I just thought I was speaking my mind and being mm-hmm. like, yep, yeah, you know, taking a friend position. But then, you know, and then I, whenever he would say I was rude, I would be like, oh, but you know, like, that's just the way I've always been, whatever. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So that's another way of, like, also us, like, when you refuse to unlearn certain behaviors, you know? You accept it as a part of you, an unchangeable exactly. part of you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's really, really bad because it's kind of like, oh, I was, I'm, I'm like, I'm just like this. But it's like, no, you're not. You you're can, not. you can make the change, you know? And this is the time to make changes because I can't like to you. When you reach your 40s, you're setting your, <laughs> you're setting your ways. By the time you're 40, if you're a procrastinator now, and you're a procrastinator then, you're, you're going to be procrastinating forever. I feel attacked, but... Oh yeah, don't worry, I'm attacking myself. <laughs> I'm pretend that I'm not a procrastinator. <laughs> I'm pretend that 
emotions. But yeah, like your twenties can either shape you for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we're perfect human beings and that we'll learn all the good yeah. and stuff. But like in terms of like relationships, my perspective to relationships had to change. Like before, I was looking at things. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, let me just, you know, it's gonna be flow. Now I'm like, I'm all. <laughs> Like, not that I don't have time, but it's just kind of like, okay, let, you know, things are changing. My, my ideal mm-hmm. relationships are changing. What I want is changing. You know, even career-wise, before I was just kind of like, oh, isn't it just to get a job and just, you know, big work out to be a boom after? But now I'm realizing yeah. there's a lot more to be learned, you know? And even, like, in your workplace, like, different skills and, like, behaviors. We need yeah. to learn that, you know? And it's kind of like if you're somebody that is a procrastinator, you can't procrastinate the work that they give you. Like if they say do this work by six pm today, who born is not there by six pm today? Like you know? I said I couldn't I I couldn't believe I still cannot believe how many deadlines I met while I worked last year because <laughs> under normal circumstances under normal circumstances. Like I don't I don't meet deadlines. Yeah. Like when I was in when I was in school uh, why school works deadline wise for me at least was that I don't do anything for the most part you don't you don't do your projects by yourself yeah. so if we have 10 projects mm. there's probably only one project I'm going to work on it yeah. the other ones I'll pick from different people yeah yes yeah but the ones I came out of school dead, me and deadlines I don't your boss here this one or your future I'll, boss <laughs> <laughs> so like I was surprised last year when I worked there were some weeks where I I started and finished at least two projects in a week while I was working. Just and because for the most part, <laughs> I feel like if my boss listens to this podcast, it's going to flog me. But like a lot of a lot of our clients, he had personal relationships with them, so we, we are very um, I don't know the word like optimistic when we're telling them how quickly we can do things uh, yeah. because it's like it's, it's my guy. You don't want to keep him waiting yeah, for long. Yeah. So we'll meet somebody on Monday is expecting the design by Friday. When I was in school, we can use we can use four weeks, sometimes an entire semester. Yeah. To design one project. And then I'm working and I'm churning out three designs a week. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I did not I did I met almost every single one of my deadlines or not. Like there's one or two projects I can remember that I couldn't finish on time and then I told them. Yeah. So it blows my mind that I could meet deadlines at work. But in my personal life, <laughs> it's a different story. Personal it's a different, very different story. Are very different things. People don't understand. People don't understand. <laughs> but let me be honest. My work, the person I am when I'm working, is not necessarily the person I am when I'm chilling. You know? Like, <laughs> no this and no peace. <laughs> like, my work self is not my personal self. It's not like... Yeah. Like you said, you'd be surprised about your, your abilities to actually do stuff. But then it's mm-hmm. kind of like, unless you have no choice. You know that quote that says, like, you never know how strong you are unless you have no, no choice but to mm-hmm. be strong? It's kind of those kind yeah. of situations where it's like you have no choice but to make that deadline. Then you actually be like, okay, I can do it. But then again, it also shows that, you know, maybe we need a bit more discipline in our lives. <laughs> now, personally, maybe. Maybe. I, I, I'm like, my situation was very funny mm. because I have been I had been in school for twenty years. Mm. For twenty years, there had been timetables, deadlines, assignments, projects, exam periods, and then dedicated vacations yeah. for twenty years. And then I came out of I graduated or I finished. We didn't have our actual graduation because of COVID. What and I fin- I finished. Wait, sorry, we didn't have our actual. 
we didn't have our actual convocation until 2021. Yeah, even though we finished 2019. Yeah, so I came out of school and then there was a pandemic. So I was just at home for like six months, just doing nothing for like six months. I don't know. I don't know if that made things worse for me or if it just revealed that I am actually not a very structured human being. It's just school that has been deceiving me. No, I would say that COVID was a very, very trying time for a lot of us. Yes. Because it's like you had to find new ways of like working, you know? And it was like a lot of now jobs, like all jobs went online. Mm-hmm. Now you have to now, when you're applying for a job now, they're expecting to be able to work online, not having any like connection like any like physical connection mm. with anyone everything's all online so it takes a while to adjust to that type of society yeah. especially when you've been used to like you know the usual like going to work every day and things like that so in my opinion i feel like the way everyone handled covid like everyone should be given a pass <laughs> times because it's kind of like listen yeah we all did not know what we were doing and some people probably handled it a lot better than others but like initially like at the end of the day, we all handled it to the best of our ability, right? Yeah. And I feel like during the COVID times, a lot of people's skills really helped them keep going. So like you find that this is where people were writing songs. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the all the rappers suddenly appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of music. I don't know. Even the films felt different during first sentence with one. Yeah. Netflix was popping. Netflix was. <laughs> Hmm, Netflix was making money. That was the time I said, ah, oh, Lord, if I was an actor, if only. But anyway, we were, I know that we also wanted to talk about knowledge versus skill economy in terms of, like, the work environment and stuff like that. And we were just having a conversation about how, like, do we feel that we're going into a more of a skill society or more of, like, a knowledge-based mm-hmm. society when we leave university and we go into the workforce? So, yeah, let me know. Which one? I think you even asked a really important question. What was that question? You asked that question. I asked a different question. Oh, I did. Oh, which question did yeah, you, you ask? You, you asked if skills are now more valuable than knowledge, mm-hmm. essentially. And what I asked, what what I said, I was wondering about is if the move towards skills is self-driven or driven by outside ah, factors. Yes, because yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. because like what, the options were being presented, uh, especially in. I'm speaking specifically for Lagos people because I don't know anybody that graduated within the last two years. That's yeah. well, I know very that are in good working conditions. So the options that are being presented for employment straight out of school are very unattractive. Yeah. So a lot of people are moving in. So I have a friend. One of my friends is a very good. We studied architecture together, so yeah. he's a very good um, designer. One of my personal favorites in my class. And now he's looking into data analysis. <laughs> he's looking into data analysis. And like it's like that for everybody. Some people are going into tech, UI, UX design. Some people are doing web development. Uh, people are starting businesses. People are just um, finding skills. Yeah, people are just finding skills to capitalize on mm. that they can. Especially skills that will make you a lot of money in um, 2022. Yeah. Mm. No, so that, that's what people have been doing and a lot of people get burned by it so I've been wondering if that's what I said I was wondering if it is oh people are just passionate about stuff and they go and learn skills and yeah. try and specialize in that or if it is just that oh the work options seem to be shit so let's learn something that we can 
get better work in. No, but I don't know. No, you know, I think that I think that was what made me remember this book that I had read a while ago. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly remember the name of the book, but I remember what the guy said in the book. The guy is a comedian, Nigerian comedian, and he was saying yeah. that when he was in university, that he was looking for ways to make money, and that his idea was to grab onto this low hanging fruit. Like he was telling, he was encouraging like all the what, like all the viewers that okay what is your low hanging fruit you know, and for him he said comedy was his low hanging fruit but apparently he was funny I've never ever heard this guy yeah I don't know if he's actually funny but that was what he said <laughs> and that also makes me think that maybe your skills and I've been like maybe the skills that you have might be your low hanging fruit so like let's say you have a knowledge you know a background in architecture or in business mm-hmm. or something but then your low-hanging fruit or the thing that you can that can make you money in the short run is probably like you said web design or i don't know like yeah music if you know i don't mean and there's there's no way of knowing knowing for certain how sustainable it will be exactly now just get into it and start making the money at least exactly so he was saying that i think he was what i understood is that try and get something that will make you money in the short run and then also work on your long-term goal you know which I think is a very valid point. So when I hear a lot of people being like, yeah, they're basically branching out to something completely different, it doesn't really shock me entirely because I'm like, yeah, honestly, we're all looking for money. What's the fastest way to make money? You know? Like, I know that I've, I've looked at different dates, like different avenues. I'm being like, okay, how can I make money in this area? Like, right now, we're trying to make money within six months. How can we get that money? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I understand what you mean when people are going into web design. I know one thing that I've seen about Nigerian and like designing and like web stuff. You know, when churches mm-hmm. went online during COVID, I cannot lie to you. Nigerian churches are doing the most. Their online church, oh my God, <laughs> is actually on point. <laughs> I have watched some churches and I'm like, hey, you would think they would be doing this for years. And I was talking to someone about it. I don't know who I was talking to. And the person was like, yeah, well, when in Nigeria, when you don't have any other choice but to use your skills, you tend to find out oh, that you people, actually excel. So, you know, in, in a lot of my into chance, all these you know, things are very good at them. Uh, well, mm-hmm. on, on my... Uh, the right. people I'm exposed to... I have a classmate that... Well, not... He was my classmate in secondary mm-hmm. school. We went to different universities, but we studied the same course, uh, architecture. But, like, from secondary school... So he's. I think he's a very good example of why somebody of somebody that um, might have been self-driven to whatever skill they ended up going to. In secondary school, he was mm. very into art. He yeah. was very good at it as well. And then he studied architecture, and then he came out and I. He's doing something design related in tech, and he seems mm. like if, if if it's based on social media, he seems to be doing very well compared to a lot of us. And. Mm. Yeah, so that, that's an example of someone that has, um, I think he has almost unintentionally developed himself in that particular skill for most of his life, leading up to when he went to university and downloaded architecture textbooks and came out and went and actually did something he was, he seems to be interested in. So me, I'm just wondering, like, because personally, uh, I have struggled to get into all this, like, to get into tech or, uh, like, and it's, it's not that it's not so much about how difficult it is because yes it is difficult that and that's another thing most most things no matter how easy they look are quite difficult i know a lot of other designers that are not doing as yeah. well as that guy i just mentioned but they're all in the same field. 
so it's not just how difficult it is but like i'm not interested and i don't know if it's if it's if it is um like if people are pushing past their disinterest and stuff because it's going to make them money or if they're actually just genuinely interested in things that happen to make them a lot of money because I, so i've been in that way sometimes i'm just wondering about that thing like is is this from me is it me that is failing to do something everybody else is doing or i don't know no i think that in certain situations i have heard people say like oh yeah they're doing their job not because they're actually interested in the job but because you know it's a job it makes them money but my way of thinking about things is like listen you spend a lot of your time at your workplace if you don't enjoy what you're doing i'm so sorry for you because you spend literally seven hours at work every day you know and a lot of the time some people spend even more yeah so if you don't really necessarily enjoy anything at work or like you know most of what you're doing yeah. it's going to be hard to do the work you know so if you're not interested in tech i don't see why you should force yourself to push past it push past your disinterest and force yourself to enter into it like there's so many other things in this world that yeah. can do, you know and that's one thing i really like try to see that's the way i see things i'm like okay just because you don't like something and because a lot of people are excelling in it doesn't mean that you should not go and carry your leg and say oh let me let me do it because you know i, I can see other people excelling in it and then that's i think it also boils down to comparison you know like what works for yeah, us not work for yeah. you you know what i'm saying and i think a lot of people need to know that like a certain path that someone took might not work for you your path is completely different. Your ideas are completely different. Like where God is leading you is completely different to, you know, where God is leading you. I don't know, Mr. X, Y, Z. But I think it's always, like you said, it's super, super important. Like bottom line, cast your net. Try different things. Yeah, just try, try out things. Put your leg in the water. If it's too cold, remove it and walk away. If it's too hot, remove it and walk away. Balance, you know? <laughs> but like, we we're talking about like, there to be a balance between your knowledge and yeah. your skills you know for me i've gone to university you spent four years in university and then you now come out of university and you're doing something completely different that idea just kind of like it breaks my heart because i'm like i've gone to school i've studied for this big man i've had so many breakdowns just to get this one degree yeah and yet nothing i think here on on our end that's all of us that are still on on the motherland um especially in nigeria the the situation of studying something and doing something different is more or less inevitable because a lot of times like i said even though you are more or less um, pigeonholed into deciding what you're going to do at 13 there's a lot of obstacles that are going to, that throw a lot of people off course so um in in nigerian universities i don't know if it happens abroad but in nigerian universities if you apply for medicine and maybe you don't meet the cutoff maybe they have too many applicants that year or some other stupid thing or they misplace your result or some dumb crap like that i don't know like i heard i have i never confirmed but i heard they used to buy people's results so <laughs> so so if someone if, if you have if you have a good score someone that doesn't have a good score might buy yours and then you don't have either you don't have a result or you have the no but to be fair i think that might have happened to my cousin when she was doing her bike because my cousin is really uh, smart she's not dumb you know but the grades that she got <laughs> they were a bit like uh-uh, see how suspicious yeah and so she was quite suspicious she yeah. was like no i studied so hard for this i know that i did better than this and she was like i yeah. know that someone else got my results 
I've heard of uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know that there's any way to confirm. I've heard of it, but I don't know anyone that's happened to. But yeah, but like with, with all those obstacles, a lot of people with all those situations, sometimes you apply for a course and the school you apply to will give you something else. Will offer you a different oh, yes. one. And then uh-huh. because of how our society is, your parents more often than not will pressure you to take that and go and study yeah. what you don't want to do. Probably not do very yeah. well at it. And then come out and be faced with the decision of what to do with your life because you didn't get to you didn't, like I was lucky I got to study what I wanted to study and decide for myself what I was going to do. You didn't get to study what you, what you wanted to study. What you did study, you're not interested in for the most part at all. And that seems to be where your own, that seems to be where all your direct prospects are. So you now have to figure out something else completely. Yeah. So for us, for people still in Nigeria, especially, it seems to be inevitable that. Um, maybe eighty percent of people that graduate will do something completely unrelated to what they study. Yeah, but I do think it's a society thing because it's like in Switzerland. I mean, like normally, if you start like anyway, that's the way that I see. It. Like, if you start something now, yeah. you can then choose to specialize, you know, further. Let's yeah, say yeah, yeah. business now. You can then choose to specialize. You know, maybe you want to go into like public relations, which path you want to follow, right? Yeah, and then. From there, build your career on that. For us, whether or not you have that option depends heavily on what you study, which is a, and mm-hmm. like it's, it forms it forms this like vicious uh, cycle because whether or not you have the option to specialize in um, a, a subset of what you studied depends on what you yeah. study. Right? Like somebody that studied Yoruba education does not have does not have where to go and specialize, for instance. <laughs> but then, because of that. Um, <laughs> Study your education, like, dude, don't do that. That's what what they do. They give people all sorts of courses. People study adult education at the age of sixteen. That's so disrespectful. Like, there's all there's all sorts of things. Like I said, the fact that because how I was saying it was a vicious cycle. Because you only have the option of specializing or going into something Mm. loosely related, but still a viable career option. What now ends up happening is that throughout the time we're going through school, we are constantly beating in the same yeah. five or six courses into everybody's yeah, head. Yeah. Medicine, law, engineering, architecture. Like that's what everybody is being told uh, these are the options you have to choose from. And then, so you're under pressure to pick one of those and then everybody applies for those same courses and then the university yeah, gives yeah. you something completely useless. And then, yeah. like, it just forms this endless, endless... And then there's a, it creates all these outside pressures. Like when I got admission into architecture, people were congratulating me for years. Oh, you got it. congratulations! It's a good cause. I was miserable in school, but they were congratulating me. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you got the good cause. You got the, I'm suffering, guy. Eh? I hope you learned and, something from your experience. It was very really annoying. Experience. If not, you just suffered. <laughs> I learned architecture from my experience, <laughs> so I tried. But yeah, like it, it just it creates all this mess. Like there were many courses I did not know existed until I got to university and started hearing, "Oh, this person is studying physical therapy. What, what the hell is physical therapy? I didn't know what physical therapy was." And then we we also get into school so young. Well, not all of us. To be fair, like a lot of people don't get in after secondary school. But like 
everybody, or most people from my class in secondary school got into university directly. And we were 15, 16 years old. Even at the age of 18, I had no idea what the hell I was going to study. So, and if you're going to university at the age of 15, 16, firstly, that you are, I can't lie to you, you are bound to make some decisions that are not the best. And in Nigeria, it's, I feel like Nigeria is a society where once you make a decision, it's very hard to unmake that decision. Because it's kind of like, in, in, in the UK, so if you don't like your course and you do it for the first year, you can always reapply for another course. You can always be like, okay, I don't like this course, I'm going to like, either reapply for something that's similar to that course or just reapply for something completely different. And you know? But in Nigeria, I don't yeah. know if they make that decision, if they make that choice as easily accessible for others, like for students, as they do here. Because it's kind of like, if you're going to university and you're studying, I don't know, like a degree that no one in Nigeria uses, ed- example, your education. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? If you don't have the choice to change the course, what are you then supposed to do? You know? You, you, you pray. That, <laughs> that's what we do. That's the first thing. The first thing you do, and then the the general attitude of um, students I observed when I was in school is let's just get the BSc and move on with our lives, but, right? Uh, like when, when especially especially when you are put in a course that you have no interest in and probably yeah. doesn't offer you any interest. Like let's just have BS because at the end of the day, to get most to get pretty much any job. In, especially in Lagos, they will ask you for a degree, yeah. one type of degree or the other. So it's like, let's just get the BS. That's the approach many people have. It's a very, it's a messed up situation. All around. And I like that you mentioned that you don't know if they make the option to switch as accessible to other students because the option exists. <laughs> it's just um, the information is not readily available and it seems like an overly complicated process. And most yeah. people just don't bother. They don't make it as complicated, you know. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you probably take like a couple of months out to start like in January or something. Yeah. But like, I know that I'm not sure how it is for Nigerians. But like, you know, I just I'm just reminded of a story. Cause I remember I, wa- I wanted to go to Confident University at one point in my life. I just want to thank the Lord that the Lord opened my eyes. Because <laughs> what what what's bull crap? <laughs> yes. What's bull crap? <laughs> so I remember, and I remember when I went to the admissions office. I don't like at that time I really hated physics and chemistry. Those the only subject I loved was biology. And I remember when I got into the admissions office, the lady at the admissions office was like, Ah, your daughter is doing really well in her sciences, so she can become a doctor. And I was like, I am And I wanted to study business. She's like, Oh, why do you want to study business? You know your your science grades are quite good. You can decide to become a doctor. It's the same. It's the same five or six courses they beat into everyone's head, every single person. And then when it's now time to go to the university, the university will give you something that they feel like. So this Nigerian education, like every time I think about it, I'm pissed off. And that that's one thing I I determined that no matter come what may. My children are not schooling in Nigeria. Come what? Amen. Me. Come on, speak it into existence, prophet. No matter, like, no matter what happens, my children, my children cannot school in Nigeria because the situation is the the unless things improve significantly, the situation yeah. is is an is is terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible for for too many people. Yeah. It's terrible for no, too I many people. Nigerians, man, y'all are just suffering. 
your, your negative experiences. You guys are not even letting anything for me. It's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. People are learning now. They are learning how they are learning that they should leave the country, and that's what they are doing. Yeah, but you know, like I mean, like if everybody leaves, who's gonna take care of Nigeria? Lord, God that's Almighty. Problem, isn't it? Problem. <laughs> yeah. No, I was gonna say it's very, very sad how like I want to say like people in their twenties in different countries have different opportunities, and it's quite sad. Yeah. It's kind of like the opportunities you get here are very different to the opportunities you get back home. Like, you know, especially here, I'm surrounded by a few people who are like, I don't want to go back to like Africa. There's not a lot of like opportunities for them there. And even the opportunities that are there, like you said, the pay is not great. You know? Yeah. So, a lot of the time, you find people, imagine people with like two degrees, they've gone into debt, they are, you know, they've, they've worked for you know everything they have in terms of like education and then you just hear somebody giving them some kind of like sad little salary which is really really sad you know and that's why a lot of africans like especially the ones that know that they like never going back i have been saying my mantra this year has been that nigeria lagos especially is for business people not workers not employees because the people the people the the um what's the word the good let's use that word the good employment opportunities are few and far between yeah very few and far between like minimum wage in in nigeria uh i don't know how it is outside lagos but the minimum wage for nigeria in lagos is useless you can barely it's thirty thousand naira. that's minimum wage oh, yeah, yeah it is it can barely transport in Lagos it can barely cover depending on where you work mm-hmm. and for most people you don't work nearby to where you live it can barely cover transport yeah. I have a friend that drives and he got the job he has a, he has a car and he got the job last year that was paying him 50,000 a month his fuel per month is more than that for the car just to give you an idea, even if you're using public transport to move around, 30,000 naira is not a lot of money. That's minimum wage. So, yeah. anybody that is offering you 60,000, 100,000, they feel like they're doing you a favor. Yeah. But you usually still end up spending a significant amount of it on just going to work and coming back. So, they are good, good opportunities, but they are few and far between. And there are 22 million people in Lagos, so many of us get the short end of the stick. Many, many of us. It shocks me whenever I hear 22 million because I'm like, guys, one thing I desire for Nigeria is to really in, like, implement a sex education course because you people need to stop having kids. I don't know how to raise it anymore. Uh, I don't even know whether we should become like China that has like a one child policy. We all need to stop having kids. Because the rate at which people have like easily have like four kids and the thing that baffles me the most is when people come and be like oh yeah the lord will provide for this kid that we're about to have i'm like i love the faith don't get me wrong it's very important to have faith but wow is it that you don't like enjoyment like you know you could have one kid or two kids and enjoy life to the fullest because the way i see it is like 
maybe I've not been, I've not reached that level of selflessness. Maybe, maybe. But the way I yeah. see it is, your kids shouldn't take away from your opportunities to still be able to have fun in life. In my opinion, child, it sh- they shouldn't. Or okay, that's the way I see it. But that's because when I'm young, and I, I have a child, <laughs> and I have any kids in my head, I'm like, whoa. In my head, I'm like, eh, you can have a kid, but you should, you should still have fun. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't sacrifice for your kids. Please make all, all we should all make sacrifices for our kids. But I'm just like the way that I'm thinking is that I want to make sure that my kid has enough. I want to make sure my kid has like the opportunities that I've also been given or even better what I've been given. So yeah. in terms of doing that, you need to understand how much money you're going to require to raise this child. Because when I hear people being like, oh, this is their fourth kid, they have to be at home that are still good, they are still looking for food for those ones. Yeah. Another one coming out. I'm just like, sex education is so great right now. From from what I gather, with the the very little information I have about the world, because we're eight billion people, is <laughs> that it seems that people that make it seems that poor people have more children. Just yeah. generally generally speaking, uh, I'm not sure why. Um, I'm sure the biological definition is something about ensuring your survival through the next generation, whatever. But no, I, I don't know. It might, I think it might also just be the lack of education, like maybe. I don't know. Uh, like, well, I, I don't know. Like, parenthood. Um, it's, it's a tough question <laughs> for me. I think I actually spoke to my brother about something along this line recently, and the conclusion, the it's not much of a conclusion, but what I came to is that, especially when you're in a very tough situation, you can't, a lot of times you won't, um, at some point you're going to get tired of postponing what you want until the situation gets better. Mm, that's that, be, that becomes, it's, it's like, a, it's like the, um, a very good example, which we will both relate to is like the relationship thing. Mm. It's like, especially for someone like me, for the most part, I don't want to get involved with anybody mm-hmm. unless I have yes, money. Heard it. Shalom is not dating you unless you have money. So if you say Shalom now, don't even bother him. I'm just joking. No, I'm like, chill, chill. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, for, for the most part, I don't want to get involved with anyone until I, until, even if, it's, it's not a matter of whether I can take care of somebody else. It's a matter of whether I'm self-sufficient. Yeah. But, like, when, even inevitably, when somebody comes around that you're interested in you're going to question like is it really worth it to postpone yeah. what you want to postpone your job with this person for because the, at the end of the day as much as we have faith we are we plan and everything the future is uncertain so you might never have money and those are the thoughts that will come into your head if, we'll find i mean but like yeah so like maybe not exactly that but like stuff like that will come to your head like yeah. do you really keep forgoing what you want that is currently in front of you mm. um for what you want that you're not sure is you're not entirely sure yeah. you're very optimistic uh, you've done everything you can to make sure it happens but you're not entirely sure yeah. it's going to happen so it becomes a tricky situation but like um what what i think is um maybe when every time you say when you said um you think the problem is like education yeah i always think when i hear education i always it always takes my mind to like a an individual level so like each person is educated then maybe they will not put themselves under so much pressure to have children and all of that but 
I know a decent amount of educated people that have an unnecessary amount of children in this, <laughs> <laughs> in this Nigeria, in this Lagos. It's true. So I think I think part of it is also like the social, the social. There has to be social incentive, yeah, yeah to the way society, the way Nigerian society is now. There's 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 such there's an absurd uh, combination of competing expectations from mm. everybody. Yeah. So people always end up like there are many people. I asked my parents once that I don't know how you people had the courage mm. to have children with how the world is, especially like as as religious people as Christians. It's by every Christian metric, the world is constantly getting worse. Yeah. How do you make the conscious decision to bring a child into that world? And then my, <laughs> and then my, my mom said. Uh, I can't remember exactly what you said, but in some it sounded like once you get to a certain point, you're not just you're, you just won't think about it. You just do it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. because like consciously or subconsciously, you want children. Whether that is completely self-generated or a societal expectations, nobody knows. You shall want children, yeah. and you can keep being like, uh, I don't have money. Economy is tough, uh, but at some point you will do it. Last, last. Because that's what you want. So it's a tricky situation. I agree with the fact that eventually you'll get there, but I just wish that people would be more like understanding of what yeah. it needs to be. Make make more um like informed decisions based Yes, on that's the word. Based on like I'm saying I'm not saying that there's there's always room for faith. Please faith should be like the most important thing, but like also add facts to it so that they're doing your faith. <laughs> yeah. Fact, how much is it like not like necessarily how much is it going to cost or stuff like that. Just be aware of the decision you're making. You know, don't just go and have like kids randomly. I'm not too worried about our generation as, as far as we're in the same generation because like I hear more people say that they don't want to have kids at yeah. all than people that want to have plenty. So oh, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like in the end, the people like someone like me, uh, I still I would still like to have four children if I can afford it. Jesus. Uh, four children. I would still like to have four kids when I afford it. So I feel like if in the event that I can afford it and I do have four children, it will be offset by all the other people that are not yeah. going to have any children. Yeah, you're because, right. yeah. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about us. But like sometimes you, you look at the older people because there's this saying in Nigeria that what a young person will see standing up, an old person will see sitting down. And then you see that and you look at them and you're like, did you really like with all your so-called wisdom, exactly. no offense. Yeah, yeah. You really made all these decisions. Yeah, it's true. You had nine children. <laughs> <laughs> like you saw the world as it is, and you had nine I children. Decided to populate nine kids. Just nine. <laughs> you know. Just nine. Like just just, just like that. Wow, you, I said pregnancy did not even scare you. Maybe I should not do this thing again. Nine kids, just like that, free flow. Thank the Lord. Just nine, just like that. I'm happy for them all. I'm glad that they have <laughs> because if not, we wouldn't be here today. But, yeah, true, true. But it's also like you can see how our generation is constantly evolving. Like, yeah. And I don't know if we're evolving for the better or me. I think we are. Change, change is change. For the most part, mm. for the most part, whether or not. At least in my opinion, for the most part, whether or not change is positive or negative, mm. you find out way later. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we can't know. When I first 
first moved back to Switzerland, I was hearing a story that one of my friends shared with me, and she was telling me about mm-hmm. how like one of her friends or someone she knows, who was in her twenties, relatively early twenties too, how she tied her fingernail shoes because she was so sure she did not want to have kids. And I was like, that is such a bold decision. Wow. Certainty for me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what if you change your mind in the future? Now you have to go to where I pray, Lord, on undo what the mistake that I've done. This is how you have to Yeah. And I was just like, wow, like, are we like are we crazy? Is our generation crazy? Is it are we bolder or is it that like I, I think I think in a sense, although like part of the problem with comparing generations is that we were not around when they were our age, so we can't say for sure. But then I it feels like our generation is more um, overconfident. I don't want to say confident because yeah. confidence is good. I feel like we're more overconfident. Yeah. We're so, like, sometimes I listen to people, or that's part of why I left social media. Sometimes I read people's opinions, I see their videos, I listen to their rants. And I have to remind myself that he's just 21 years yeah. old. He doesn't actually know everything. Mm. As much as much as he presents like he does, he doesn't know everything. Because I was talking to my brother just before yeah. this podcast, and I told him the same thing. I said, he talk like, there's one of our friends that talks very matter-of-factly. Like, the way he talks is like, what he says is all yeah. there is. That's how he talks. I just, you're, you're leaning towards that when you talk. So you have to remember you're just 21 years old. Mm. You don't actually know <laughs> I'm like I'm almost 23 and I don't know much. I don't. I, there's not that much you can know. Like, calm down, relax, relax, cool your relax. Yeah, calm down. relax. It's really important that we also learn that in our 20s that we don't know everything. Yeah. Because a lot of the time we think that we we put this pressure on ourselves that we should know everything. You know, like we need to know everything. We need to be set in our ways. This is the time for you to learn more stuff. For you to you know open your mind and to learn from other people because at the end of the day people that are 40 50 they still know more than you shall they have still more prepared than you yeah if, even if it looks like they made some questionable decisions they have they have 20 plus years of experience on you so they know something that you don't exactly and to be very honest with you for the honest ones that they will admit the mistakes that they've made yeah maybe this is more like western mentality not necessarily african no, in, in Africa, age age is age I don't know God. what to call. Is it badge of honor? It's like it's a mini god. Um, it's a mini god, yeah. Like, but it shocks me how I went to the bank, young looking female like me. You know, I just we never get attended to. And then when I go, with my father, wow, in five seconds, please sit down here. Ah, daddy, you're here. Where? Please sit down here. Where? Ah, what mm-hmm. come and do in the bank today? <laughs> that's that's Lagos for you. Probably all of Nigeria, actually. It's like a mini god, and the thing is that some adults are not necessarily nice and respectful. It's like you want to disrespect them, but because you know the environment that you're in, where age is a mini god, you just sit and humble yourself. So I guess we do learn a few things, you know. We learn to be we learn to be humble in the face of people older than us. Exactly, you know, we've learned because at the end of the day, like you said, they still have. They, they, know, they know something that we don't or at the end of the day they have to know something that we don't exactly because they survived a lot longer than we have anyway thank you so much for listening to another episode of Raisin Life with Fakayo and I hope to see you on the next episode and thank you so much Shalom for joining me it was great to have you on here and may God bless you and your fortune Amen. Amen.
<laughs> immense words. Immense words.